We're going to spend some time in God's Word as we started last week. We didn't quite finish some of the things that God put on my heart for us as we start to uh, remember and we think back to 50 years ago. There's a few of you who were here, um, only two that I could find on the official records of when the church was constituted in 1972. Uh, Judy's here again this morning and Jan's at home watching. Um, and uh, many of you joined after that, some of you very soon after that. So you've been here almost 50 years. But we're uh, so grateful to people who have helped us throughout the years to stay on track to stay in, in the flow that God wants us to stay in, to be filled with his spirit, to go out and to preach the word, to give people the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good, the good news, that he loves us, that he sent his son for us. He did that because he didn't want us to die in our sin. He wanted to rescue us and cleanse us and make us his very own. And so we've tried to stay faithful to that, and we will continue to try to, try to stay faithful to that in the years ahead. So let's pray and we'll ask the Spirit of God to continue to form us, to form our minds around his thoughts this morning so that we can be growing in the Spirit and and changing because we don't want to stay the same. We want to continue to grow as God continues to expand his kingdom in us and through us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us this morning. Help us to be focused on you to let some of the other cares and things that get in the way uh, fade at this time so that we can hear you clearly as your spirit wants to work in each one of us. We know that this is the work of your kingdom, that you desire for us to become more and more a witness for Jesus, a place where Christ shows up, whether it's in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools. We pray that you help us to design, to design our lives around following that purpose and having that kind of commitment to let others know, to not be ashamed of the good things that you have done for us in Jesus Christ. So help us to see not only in the history of this particular church, Holden Chapel, but in the history of your church. Help us to see the pattern that you want us to continue to follow in. The footsteps of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in our 50th year. We're excited about that. And uh, we're excited because it helps us to look back and then look forward. It gives us an opportunity to continue on in the journey that God has for us. Because for some of us, the journey's not over yet. Uh, we're continuing on. For many people who have come before us, the journey has ended. They have gone from here, and now they are in heaven waiting to be reunited with us one day. Many of the dear saints uh, from our history uh, here at Holden have gone on to be with Jesus. And we celebrate that because we know that the truth of the gospel is that there's life eternal. Life doesn't end on this earth. It's a good thing because sometimes the life that we get on this earth isn't that great. But we know that we look forward to a beautiful life in Jesus Christ. So we have a purpose statement that we looked at last week. I pulled it out of the, the history books of the church, and I said, let's, let's dust this off. Let's look at it again in fresh, with fresh eyes. And some of you have never seen it, so let's look at it for the first time. But for some of us, we've seen it before, and we want to make sure that we are following after the purpose that God laid down for us as a church of Holden Chapel. And that purpose is to grow together right? To grow together. We want to 
change. That's why we often are, are talking about change with one another. We're, we're praying for change. We're saying, God, help us to grow. Help us not to stay babies, but help us to grow and mature in Christ so that we can become all that you want us to be. We're to grow together as a church. Now, a church is just a group of people that God has formed around Jesus, right? There's a church with the small C, as you can see there, and then there's church with the big C, you know, sometimes the church as a whole, the church that was created on Pentecost and has gone on ever since then is the church, and we are a portion of that. Um, but we're to grow in, in, the, in the field that God has planted us in. And I hope that you're growing as you stay planted in God's word with us. But we're ever moving towards wholeness. We're ever moving towards wholeness. Because sin has broken us. Sin has wounded us. Sin has hurt us. And so we are moving towards wholeness. We don't need to stay broken We don't need to stay wounded. We don't need to stay in that place. We are to move with the Spirit and move together towards wholeness in Christ. He has come to make us whole. He's come to heal us. His healing ministry was a demonstration of the power that he has to deliver us from the enemy, from the devil and his demons, and to heal us from diseases and to set us on a path of wholeness for eternity, not just for the here and now, but for eternity. And God is still in the business of making us whole. Sometimes I think we've grown weary and we've given up and we need to hold on to that vision that he has for us, that we would be made mature in Christ, that we would grow through some of these difficulties and these pains and that we would become what God wants us to be. All of this is centered around Christ. I I was looking at this little paragraph, like the word Christ is actually right in the middle of that slide, right? You you see it there. And and that's so important for us to remember, that we don't lose Christ in the center, that we don't move ourselves in there, or we don't move a particular activity in there, but we keep Christ in the center of things. But he's the one who makes us whole. And he does it individually as we follow him. As we seek him, as we read his word, as we, as we spend time in private with God. And he does that corporately. He moves us not just individually, not just personally. He's our personal savior, but he's also the savior of his church. He's, he, he, we are his bride. You know, he, we're collectively made up and we're given different gifts and different abilities. And we're to share them with one another so that we can see the fullness of Christ. Because you by yourself with God... Is beautiful and intimate and wonderful, but you're not all there is to Christ. There are other expressions of Christ in other people, and they use their gifts and abilities, and they show that expression. This was a perfect example this morning. We have different instruments here, the piano, and then these different brass pieces. I don't even know what they're all called. I guess I could look. The, the one on the second seat, I really don't know. Is that a French horn? Is that a French horn? Okay, it's a French horn. All right. So there's a trombone, a French horn, a trumpet, and another trumpet. And I think the trumpets are even different. They're not the same exact one. But, but each of them has a particular sound. And when they, when they work together, which they don't always work together because none of us are perfect. But when they work together, they bring one sound. They bring a perfect uh, harmony of sound. Well, this is the way in which God has designed us. We need one another. Because you balance me and I balance you. And we hopefully, as we work together, we bring a beautiful sound into this world. 
We, we help the world to hear God more clearly, to, to see his love de- demonstrated more beautifully so that it attracts more people. Because if we're just a single trumpet, that's only one sound. But when we're put together as an orchestra, when we're put together together, and the different gifts and the different abilities are used. That's why we have, I, I think for many, many years, we have had different worship leaders, different styles of worship. We don't stay with one contemporary style or one traditional style. We, we are willing to grow in our understanding of what God has done throughout time and, and with different instruments, different people, so that we can hear Christ speaking to us, that we can understand his voice more clearly, and that those who, who these particular songs this morning that come from maybe a hundred years ago, I don't know when the hymns were written, I'd have to look at their copyright, but they could be a hundred, two hundred years old. These hymns are meaningful to people throughout their growth cycle, throughout how they have come to Christ. Maybe a particular song or a particular chorus was when God really grabbed your heart and really helped you to see his love for you. Just like some of the newer songs are for some of you who listen to contemporary music. They grab your heart in a particular way and they minister the spirit of God to you. They're a tool. They're they're a particular unique tool that God used in your life. And so we are each unique in Christ, but we're also together growing into a whole body of Christ so that we ourselves are whole, but also that the body of Christ is whole. That's why often we say to you, we need you. We need you in the church. We don't, we don't, you know, we, we can't do church without you because you have particular gifts, particular ways of seeing God, particular ways of doing your relationship with God that express God to us in a way that nobody else can do. Nobody else can do. And so we have home groups and we have Bible studies and we have different, you know, women's ministries and men's ministries and youth ministries so that different people get to use their gifts to express Christ and, and, and how what Christ is doing in different ways to you so that you hear it and understand it and that others can grow to hear and understand the love of God for them. So over the last few decades, we've tried to stay faithful to this purpose of knowing Christ ourselves, but also making him known, better making him known. Because people know of Jesus, right? In this culture where we live, you know, there's churches on every street corner, there's, there's traditions that have been carried on where, where people know of him. It's like they know of George Washington, like I've said before. They know of George Washington because they grew up in America. But they don't know him. The biblical word for know is actually a much more intimate knowledge. It is not just head knowledge. It's heart knowledge. It's a whole knowledge of God. To know someone, to know Christ that way. We don't just know facts about him like we know about U.S. history and George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. We know him because he is living and breathing and speaking and working in our lives And we are aware of that knowledge. We grow in that knowledge. We don't always see it. We have to tune ourselves. We have to tune our ears to hear the Spirit. But he is at work in your life. And he's desiring for you to cooperate with that work. Not be in rebellion of that work, but to cooperate with that work. And so that the purposes of God are made manifest. They're made real in our lives. We want to continue on in this purpose 
We want you to want to continue on in this purpose, to continue to want to grow together, to continue to want to become whole, not just individually, but even corporately, to continue to want to grow in your personal knowledge of Jesus, but also to bring that to the world. To bring that to the world. Remember the map from last, from last week? I have the, th- this was the map that was found in the, in the um, report from 1972. And what they did is they just took Worcester County and they, they took all the little towns and they, and they said, okay, this is Worcester County. This is what we feel as a local church we are called to. Because number one, we live here. We live in these towns. And we come to this church in Holden, but we live in the surrounding towns. And so we, we are called to this area to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. The, the scripture that's down in the, in the far left corner, um, if we blow it up, it says, but you shall receive power. They actually used the King James back then, so it's ye, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. After the Holy Spirit comes, they call him the Holy Ghost back then, right? This is, again, an older version of the Bible. And you are to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. So these are, this is like saying in Holden, in Worcester, in Paxton, in Rutland, right? Because this is the area that surrounds where Jesus was speaking. So for us, you are to be witness in Holden, and Worcester, and Spencer, and, and Westboro, or whatever towns are, are part of that, right? Wherever you live, wherever you go to school, wherever you work, you're to bring the light of Jesus Christ to that area. So in 1972, they felt that call. They came together. God inspired them and equipped them to do that, and we've been trying to carry that on ever since. Sometimes we do it well, sometimes not so well. We have a chance here at our 50th anniversary to sort of rebalance the scales, to to go back and say, okay, where are we at? What do we need to do to continue to be witnesses empowered by the Holy Spirit in the world that God has given us? So we are to lift up the name of Jesus, to bring Christ into the conversation. Because as you know, our culture is anti-Christ in many ways. They don't want to hear the name of Jesus. They're open to all kinds of stuff, but not that stuff. But that's the thing they really need. Because people still are broken and they need wholeness. Still are filled with fear. Still have relationship problems. Still have brokenness inside of them. Still are filled with anger and division and strife and and all kinds of things that hurt them. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. They don't need a new, a new political party. They don't need a new president. They, don't need, they need Jesus, right? When we boil it all down and we get to the bottom, we all need Jesus. The, the song we sing, come Holy Spirit, I need thee. I need you in my life. This is what our area of the world needs. And we don't just care about Worcester County. As you know, we have missionaries all over the globe. Some in Thailand and some in Africa and some in Europe and some in, in, in Belarus. And, you know, we, have, we have missionaries all over the world because we know that we are very privileged as Americans to have some resources to share with the world so that those who are less privileged get to hear the message of Jesus. 
Jesus wants us to care for the widows and the orphans and the poor. And so we do that in many ways through our missions program. This is what we're called to do. But we know and we know and we have to remind ourselves to know this. We cannot do it in our own power. We can't even live the Christian life in our own power. It becomes rules and regulations and it's not a relationship. The power of the Holy Spirit, which God poured out on his people on the day of Pentecost, empowered them to change the world. Before that, they didn't change the world. They followed Jesus around as disciples, many of them. They heard him teach. They heard him preach. They saw him heal. Then he went to the cross. They didn't understand any of that. They were very confused and very scared. Then he rose again. They also didn't understand much of that. It took a while for them to to really understand. Even Thomas was like, wait, not unless I can put my hand into his wounds will I know that he really is Jesus. It took him a while. Then it says that Jesus spent about 40 days with his followers after the resurrection. 40 days. And it says he opened their mind to understand because they just didn't get it. Even though they had seen miracles, even though they had seen those, that, that they had heard the Sermon on the Mount, they had seen these great things that Jesus was able to do, they still didn't get it. He needed to explain that to them. And it says he opened up the scriptures, he opened up their minds so they could understand God's plan. We're still doing that. We're still asking God to open up our minds. Help me to understand your plan. And where do I fit in? Because there's a reason that God has called us to himself. God is partnering with us. It's, it's, it sounds strange because he's the greater partner, obviously. But he's partnering with us and we cannot do anything for his kingdom that will last. We can't do anything that is, is permanent or eternal without his help. We don't want to live between the resurrection and Pentecost. That, that period of time, that 50 days... You know, it's our 50th year anniversary, but let's talk about the 50 days. We, we want to be growing and understanding, but we can't do anything until we're given the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he made them wait. He, he ascended into heaven, and there were 10 more days. They were to go to Jerusalem and wait. That word wait actually means sit down. Just go to Jerusalem and sit down. Wait for my power to empower you to do what I'm asking you to do. You see, we're told often in Scripture to wait, to wait on the Lord. We get too busy. We get too running around in our own ideas, in our own uh, own power, our own organizations. We want things to happen according to our plan, but we're not waiting on God to hear what he wants us to do. I wonder, in the sovereignty of God, now, don't misunderstand me, but I wonder, this whole pandemic, this whole, like, shutdown that we've been through, in many ways, it's been a stop, sit down, stay home, don't gather. You know, it, 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 we don't like it. None of us like to wait. But in that time, has God kind of reset the clock of our lives, reset the direction Have we allowed him to to speak to us? Or are we still in the midst of needing to hear from him so that we know when we start up again, 
When, when this is behind us, or at least the adjustments have changed and we were able to kind of, are we going to be doing the same thing we were doing before the pandemic? Or are we going to do things a little bit differently? I hope that in this waiting time, we have gotten closer to God, that we've let him open up our mind and help us to understand his word more clearly. Maybe God sent COVID sovereignly to make us stop, to make us slow down, to make us reevaluate. What is it my life all about? What am I spending my time and energy and effort on? Because now I can't go do that. It's been canceled. It's been shut down. It's been, you know, we had so many months and weeks of that. I want us to hear from God together. I know many of you hear from God individually, but I would love for us to hear from him together because that's what happened on Pentecost. They were all together in one place. In fact, if you have your Bibles or if you can look it up in any other way, let's look at where they were when the Holy Spirit came to them. It happens in the book of Acts chapter 2. In chapter 1, at the beginning, we see that Jesus was brought up into heaven. And before he left, he said, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift that my father has promised you. This is in chapter 1, verse 4. Wait for the gift that you've heard me speak about. Because he spoke to them about the spirit. I'm going to send another like me. I'm going to send the spirit, my spirit to you. Because the power of the Holy Spirit, when you receive it, you will then be my witnesses. You will, you'll, you'll just have this ability that maybe right now you don't have. So I wonder, ask yourself, when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Somebody just, you know, in your life, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker, maybe a family member. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus, about your relationship with Jesus, but about what Jesus has done? When's the last time? Let's evaluate that together. We have time. We have, we, we have a place to do that. Because the Holy Spirit, the evidence that he's in your life is that you are a bold witness for Christ, that you're able to step out and speak. You may not be successful. You may not see instant fruit, but you're, you're doing it. In fact, the disciples we see throughout the book of Acts, often they were like they were attacked or they were persecuted for sharing, right? They were put in, in jail or in prison or, you know, all kinds of things happened. But the Holy Spirit was able to work even through those situations to bring about a witness, a purpose. So sometimes we have to stop what we're doing we have to wait on the Lord. Remember the, the Isaiah passage, Isaiah 40? Wait on the Lord. He'll renew your strength. Then you'll mount up with wings like eagles, right? It's a process. Waiting on the Lord. Letting him renew your strength. If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling intimidated, if you're feeling overwhelmed. And then rise up. Rise up. Be renewed. And then go in the power of the Lord. See, the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost to the church, but then he continues to come. In fact, throughout the book of Acts, he didn't just come once. 
So it's just one place in life, and we didn't live way back then, so we missed it. That's not how it works. If you read, continue to read through the book of Acts, you continue to see that there are times when the Holy Spirit comes again, and then he comes again in another group, and then he comes again in another group. And he keeps coming throughout history. The Holy Spirit comes to give power to his church to be witnesses. God has chosen to limit himself to working through us. I know that's strange. And if I were God, that would not have been a logical thing for me to do. Limit myself in the word of God to believers like us. Flawed, broken, being healed, being restored. But he's limited us. He's he's limited himself to us because he wants to use his church to manifest his power, to bring about the word of God, to bring about a kingdom mentality here on earth, to bring about his purposes in, in our communities. You see, the interesting thing about Jesus, when he came in bodily form, when he came as a baby, he could come to one town, Bethlehem. Once he learned to walk, he could walk around. Galilee, that area, Jerusalem, but very tiny place on the map. You ever look at Israel? It's a tiny, tiny little sliver of earth. That's where Jesus came. When the Holy Spirit came and the Spirit of God, the Spirit that also came to Jesus at his baptism, it says he was filled with the Spirit, that the Spirit came down like a dove. There was something from heaven and God spoke and said, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased, right? This, this event took, even took place in Jesus' life, but Jesus still could be in one place at one time, even though he was God, but he limited himself. So that's his first time that he limited himself. He came in the form of a man. Now he's limited himself. He comes in the form of the church. He comes in the form of you, other men and women. He limits himself in his divine wisdom This is wise. He knows what he's doing. Because. How many towns do you think are represented here? How many different homes, you know? And at home as well, online. Jesus can be in his people in a million different places at once. In fact, he is, I'm sure, today in like a billion different places at once, right? He can be in multiple places, speaking truth, praying for healing, bringing about wisdom, loving the orphan, feeding the hungry, visiting the prisoners. He's doing it all right now. We don't see it, but it's happening all around the globe. And the cool thing about the globe is it doesn't have like darkness all at once. Like we don't all go to sleep at the same time. So when you're sleeping and maybe you're not doing anything for Jesus at that moment because you're really asleep, someone on the other side of the earth is teaching a Sunday school lesson, leading a Bible study, praying for the sick, bringing food to those who are hungry. It's happening all the time. Jesus is now in a billion places at once. Doing a billion different wonderful things, speaking a wonderful word to someone, bringing life to someone, bringing the gospel to those who have never heard it before. He's doing that right now. 
The problem is we're limiting him. We're not thinking about that. We're forgetting about that. We're thinking, well, the only thing that I can see is I got to get up in the morning and it's Monday and I hate Mondays and I don't know what I'm going to wear and what am I going to pack for lunch and oh, I forgot to study for that exam. Like we get so narrow-minded and so that we have to back up, stop, think about what's actually really happening in the spirit world. Not in your little tiny world. No offense, you probably have a wonderful life. But sometimes it's mundane, in my life anyway. I don't see a lot of that. But by faith, and even just if I wanted to test it out, I could. We could call our missionaries in Belarus this morning and say, like, hey, what are you guys doing? You know, I think it's not morning yet. Um, They're sleeping right now, but it'll be morning soon. And then they'll get up and go to church. And they're being persecuted in Belarus. You know this, we've been praying for them. They have church in a parking lot, or now I think they found a rented facility that will let them gather, because it's cold over there. But God is at work in a billion different places. But the one place that you're responsible for is in you. One place that we're responsible for together is in us. Are we letting God, by the power of the Spirit, work in our lives and in our church and through our church into our world? That is a question that we need to answer. And this 50th anniversary is a good time to ask it. Because if we're not, let's get with the program. Let's get back on track. We can do this with God's help. We can't do it on our own. If we begin to lean on our own understanding, we'll fail every time. If we trust in the Lord with our whole hearts and live our lives for him, we will see him do his work. We will become his witnesses. This, this next um, slide says, you will be my witnesses. Now, a witness is a person who can attest to the reality of a fact. If you call a witness into a courtroom, that witness better have been there. They can't tell you what someone else told them to say. They got to tell you what they saw. Did you see that man plunge that knife into his friend? But but they asked that question. Did you see it? Or did you just hear something? Or did someone tell you that happened? Because if someone told you that happened, you're not a good witness. But if you saw it, the reality of it, you were there and it really happened and you were really present, you're a great witness. This is key. Don't be telling stories about someone else. Tell stories about what God's doing in your life. If, in fact, he's doing something. If he's not doing something. All right, you're in a dry place, right? If he's not doing something, you better be on your knees asking him to fill you and use you for his purposes. If it's been... You know, shut down time, you shut down everything, COVID came, you shut everything down, and nothing's been happening. We need to get on our knees, and we need to say, God, forgive us, because you're always working, and refill us, and reuse us, so that we can be witnesses in the power of the Holy Spirit in the world that you've called us to be in. We're not just here waiting for Jesus to come back, counting down the days, hoping he shows up soon. Tired and annoyed with everybody. Or maybe we are. But we shouldn't be. 
God has called us because he wants to build up the name of Jesus. He wants to lift it up above all other names so that when people are broken, when people are hurting, when people are angry, when people are, are fighting, that Jesus shows up in your life, through your life, in your place of work, in your home, wherever it is, and God is able to establish his kingdom here on earth just as it is in heaven. His kingdom of love and joy and peace and wholeness and fullness and goodness. It's here. It's in you if you have the spirit. But it wants to get out. It wants to come out. It's meant to come out. You'll see throughout the book of Acts, it continues to overflow and overflow and overflow. Do you know on that day of Pentecost, Peter, Peter the disciple, Peter, who, if you go back a few pages in the Gospels, denied that he even knew Jesus. They said, oh, aren't you one of those Jesus people? Oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Nope, 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 nope. How many times did he deny? Three times. Three is a biblical number. If something happens three times or is said three times, it's super important. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's not just holy. He's not just holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. It's like a completeness, right? The biblical theme around threes. Peter denied Jesus completely. Ah, oh, you would think that's the end. No more, no more Jesus and Peter. No, no, they're, they're enemies. No, no, no. You would think that. But what happens when the Holy Spirit comes, Peter stands up and preaches this powerful sermon about what God has been doing in Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people, I don't know how they did it without microphones, but 3,000 people came to Jesus that day. And gave their lives to Jesus. The man who completely denied Jesus, I don't even know that guy, now knew everything. Now knew exactly what to say because the Holy Spirit came, filled him with boldness and the knowledge of God. Because he knew. He was a disciple. He followed Jesus all that time through Jesus' ministry. But now that weak place in him, that place that he was intimidated and afraid and didn't want to speak up, even, even to a, a servant girl. He didn't, want to, he didn't want anyone to know that place was gone. And now Peter was bold, witnessing for Christ so effectively that the Holy Spirit drew 3,000 plus to the kingdom that day. This is the same Holy Spirit that is in you and in me. He wants to get out. He wants to reach more people for Christ. He wants to rescue the lost, heal the broken. But he's going to use the church, the people that he lives in. We're so privileged to be the temples of the Holy Spirit, that he lives in us. But I sometimes think we forget he's even there. We're not talking to him enough. We're not processing life through his perspective enough. We're just over in our own little corner, you know, playing our Nintendo or something, you know, just doing crossword puzzles, 
You know, God wants to use you. God wants to use me. God wants to use Holden Chapel to be witnesses to the fact that it really, really is true that Jesus is alive. It really, really is true that he lives in us through the Spirit. It really, really is true that he's coming back soon. Hallelujah. It really, really is true that there's a place that he's prepared for us, a wonderful place. There really, really is a God who loves us so much that he would send his son to die for us. So let's go back to their purpose statement one more time. We need to devote ourselves to understanding this, yes, with our minds, but even more deeply, understanding this inside of ourselves in such a way that we begin to be more bold, we begin to reach out more for Christ. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't work. Read the book of Acts, you'll see what I mean. But the Holy Spirit is calling us back to be witnesses for him. We don't just need to sing songs really well. A lot of churches sing songs really well. Well, good for them. What is the point? If we're not living our lives every day, the other days when we're not singing songs really well. There's a lot of focus. I better not go there. There's a lot of focus. There's a lot of focus on on music. I love music too. But music isn't always witnessing to the glory of God and to the truth of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it just makes me feel good. It's it's an emotional thing. I like it, but it's not always being used as a tool for witness. Sometimes it's just making me feel good, and sometimes I need to feel good. It's okay. I'm I'm not judging anybody or myself, but church, the church of Jesus Christ was called to be witnesses to the reality of the life of Jesus Christ. Everywhere we go, in as many different unique ways as as we are. Not like me. I won't be like you. You'll be like you, and I'll be like me. But Jesus will show up in that conversation, in that relationship, in that workplace, in that classroom, in that friendship. If your spirit is filled with the spirit of God. We need to devote ourselves to ask ourselves to really seek what it is that we're here for. We've been here 50 years, but what are we here for now? I think it's the same. I don't think it's any different. It may look different because 50 years has changed a lot of technology and stuff like that, right? We didn't have the internet. We didn't have computers. We didn't have a lot of stuff. But we had the gospel and we had the spirit the Holy Spirit of God. We still have the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and we still have the Spirit of God who still wants to fill us and use us to bring Jesus to a lost world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we know that you are at work, not just here in us, but everywhere. And we ask that you would unite us together as your body use each and every one of us 
to bring a unique perspective, an experience, a personal testimony of who Jesus is. Not just in these four walls, but in the world around us. We know we can't do it without the power of your spirit. You made us that way. You designed it that way so that we would have to have you living in us to actually live out that, that commandment to make disciples of all nations, to baptize and to teach them what Jesus has done and what Jesus has said and what Jesus is about to do. Thank you for your spirit, which inspires us and gives us unity around this. Because there's great strength in unity, Lord. We're not doing this alone. We're, we're a group together in your, in your love, in your spirit, striving for the same purposes. So, Lord, help us to grasp your spirit's message for us here this morning, to evaluate our lives, to recommit ourselves to growing in you, to moving with you, to making you known. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.